Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada, and I am here again with my good friend Dan Rudman. Uh, we basically the last series we did was with, with Dan Rudman, and but I was in Lawrence, Kansas when we did that series. But now the coronavirus has kind of kept everybody in their uh, in their locations <coughs> and locked down in their homes. So we have figured out a way to do a podcast remotely, which is people have been doing this for years, but. You know, we figured it out, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty cool that uh, that now we can have a discussion and record it and put it online and be hundreds and hundreds of miles apart. Um, so technology is pretty cool, and everybody's kind of realized during the coronavirus that, hey, we can actually continue to meet and talk and discuss things and do business just through Zoom and through technology. I mean, it's not the same, but it's at least allows in some sense us, for us to move forward but so yeah that's uh that's what we're doing we're having a remote podcast so uh dan is in down in kansas i'm up in north dakota and uh we're able to have a conversation so i i just think that's awesome but we are going to start a series um we don't know how long the series is going to take it could take a couple episodes it could take 10 episodes. We don't know. Sometimes Dan and I are long-winded and we end up talking more than we think we're going to talk. But that's okay. Uh, but we're going to talk, talk about evangelism. We're going to start a series on evangelism. And uh, we're hopefully by the end of the series or when we decide that, hey, we've talked about this enough, hopefully we've kind of answered most of the, the biggest questions on evangelism. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what is it, uh, who is the evangelist, methodology, the message of evangelism, uh, the parachurch in evangelism, the church in evangelism. So we're going to hopefully try to hit on most of the, you could say, sub-points or subtopics under this broader topic of evangelism. And so Dan and I, we, we work with a, a ministry called Ambassadors for Christ International. So we would, we would consider ourselves the itinerant evangelist type. Uh, we are concerned with, with preaching the gospel um, and training people to be able to do evangelism. So we'll, we'll kind of unpack that a little bit more. But I mean, Dan, just what do you, I mean, how do you want to start on the topic of evangelism? Oh, wow. like what comes yeah. to mind? Yeah. Well, you know, what first comes to mind is a context for me. Um, <clears throat> I didn't grow up in the church. Um, you know, I was around church a little bit as a kid in a small town in northern Michigan. So, you know, it wasn't like I didn't hear about God and Jesus. And, you know, there was things I knew about. But, right. you know, it was Christmas and Easter and a few in between. You know, um, there's something that you just, it was, church was part of local life, but it wasn't like a church life or a gospel-centered church life for sure. I, did, I can't really say I ever even knew the gospel until, sure. until in the university setting. And... Um, over a couple year period, I I was exposed to this gospel message, and in in the university uh, is where I heard a gospel presentation one night, um, in a, on a film being shown in a dorm lobby. I happened to be just walking through, stood mm-hmm. in the shadows very uh, suspiciously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I thought, oh, this guy's he was talking about relationships, and he's gonna. Get, it was Josh McDowell, by the way. <clears throat> yeah, you know, yep. he was a young guy then. I didn't even know who he was. It was just this think even right. even you, it, it tells you my age, right? It was a film, dude. It wasn't like a like a video or a TV. It was a film, like a like and you a, were a college freshman. Yeah, college freshman. So this is 1980. <clears throat> yep. And uh, and he's talking about relationships, but I thought I bet the guys who get religious on me. 
I remember that. Yeah. And I think, ah, yeah. I know. I. So I kind of left, and then I ended up by coming back and standing in the shadows and kind of listening to the last portion of it where he talked about what we're going to talk about, this idea of the gospel. Yep. And I say all that, say simply this, like, so then I went, I read a Bible. He was challenged. He, I wasn't ready to respond to whatever he was asking us to respond to, which was the gospel. He was saying you need to, you know, respond to. I don't remember exactly how he said it, but I wasn't really to make some decision or do anything. I yeah. I was really suspicious, probably prideful, whatever. I just and I, and, but he challenged people to read the scriptures, and so I went and found a Bible and I began to read. Actually, read the wrong thing. He he talked about the gospel of John, which I didn't know what that meant, but I found this. First John in the Bible. In fact, I found mm-hmm. a one John, mm-hmm. two John, three John, right? So Right, yep. And I thought, well, I, I guess he meant the first one anyway, you know? So, <laughs> so I started reading that, but in reading the scriptures, really, that's how I came to Christ. You know, all of a sudden, evil was real to me. I remember sitting there reading about the Antichrist, yeah. going, hey, this is real, and those that deny Christ are part of the Antichrist. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm in yeah. trouble. I'm in trouble. I really, right. and I just right. knew it. So I don't want to make this about my testimony, but it does lend itself to evangelism because within days I kept rereading that, and in that I didn't know what was happening there. Okay, now I can look back and go, oh, that's called regeneration. It was supernatural. Yep. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. I can I could put categories with it, but right. what, but what was happening is my eyes were being opened to the gospel <clears throat> through, right. through the scriptures, and God changed me. I was a changed guy. I believed it. And I, yep. and I yep. knew, and somehow, maybe because of things I'd heard in my life or whatever, I just knew, wow, I can't live the way I was living before. And mm-hmm. I, I can't do the same things I did before. And I mean, almost immediately, I was a different guy. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> that lends itself then to an experience I had within that first 10 days or two weeks. Every day I would say, Lord, you, somehow there's this reality you come into man's life. I don't even know what that means. You know, of course, mm-hmm. again, regeneration, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, seals you. I didn't know any of that. I just, okay, there's this idea that Jesus comes into you. What's that mean, right? Right, right. I, I had no idea. I just, okay, whatever that means, I want it. And so the kind of the final couple steps for me then were, um, I remember laying there in, uh, in my dorm room saying, if you've got to kill me to give me this, I'll give you my life. If this is mm-hmm. real, and I think it is, from everything I'm reading, the best I understand, if this is real, it's all that really counts. And so right. if you got to kill me, I'm done. You can have my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, to the degree I could as a 20-year-old young guy, 19, almost 20, I was sincere about it, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, and within days, I became a different guy. Mm-hmm. And so one of the turning points then that I always like to share is I went back to a bar I always hung out in. I'm already thinking I can't probably live the life I lived before, but these are my friends. Can I? Should I go there? Should I not? I remember that. I still remember this tension. Like, I don't know if I should even be here anymore. <clears throat> and, you know, because I lived, I went there for the wrong reasons, obviously. And um, it's embarrassing. Yep. Embarrassing now. I don't need to labor it. But while I was there, this song came on, and people laugh about my story, but it was the ACDC song, I'm on a highway to hell, you know. Right. <laughs> and I saw right. everybody flood out and start dancing, and I, I was standing there going, wow, it's true. Like, that song's true. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but it was like, no, this is true. And I almost, I really did. I remember sitting there thinking, somebody's got to tell everybody. This is true. This is not a joke. And I almost Mm -hmm. wanted to jump up on a table or something. I know that sounds weird, but I was like, somebody's got to tell these people it's real. And a week ago, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known it either. And so I ran back to my uh, dorm room. Same thing. Young guy, don't know anything about ministry, don't know anything about what we're talking about today. No evangelism, no scripture, nothing other than stuff I'd been reading. Obviously, the gospel had been presented to me through First John. Um, 
I just remember saying, if I could spend the rest of my life talking about this thing, this thing now, what we're talking about the gospel, yeah. I think it's all that really counts, all that yeah. really matters. And so what I say that to you is it strikes me is I was 19 going on 20. I'm sitting here with you today, Sam, 59 going on 60. And literally that transition happened in April of that year, 1980. Hmm. So mm-hmm. it was, tw- uh, what is that, 40 years ago. Right. To the, you've almo- been a Christian. To almost to the date, yeah. And, yeah. and, and that night, when I, I can still remember saying, I don't know what this means, but if I could spend the rest of my life talking about this, it's all that matters. And it took me mm-hmm. a number of years. You know, I worked jobs and did things. But by the time, all that time, I kept what was in my heart, was stirring in my heart, is people need to know this. And so right. I, st- I started talking to people. Um, within months, I, I met my wife, eventually to be my wife. And my first date with her, I said, yeah, you know, if you don't, you know, know Christ, trust Christ. I don't remember how I said it. You go to hell. Because that's, yeah. that's how gripped I was. And so, I mean, it's a great dating technique. You take a girl oh, on a date and you tell her yeah. she's going to hell, you know. Right. <laughs> it worked for you. Yeah, you know. And it wasn't like I was yelling and screaming at some weird, you know, I know guys that get weird and they yell and they... That's, that's not what it was, but I told she told me take her home. You know, she was a good religious girl or something. I guess she thought. Right. But anyway, long she came to know the Lord months later, and it, you know, it's because of my you know spurring her on. Yeah. But that just set a tone, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so my yeah. entire life, from the time I came to know Christ in 1980, has been bent towards this. Like this is all that matters to me is people know this. Right. And so. Right. So with that, I worked a number of jobs by the time in my late 20s. So I'd been a Christian about six or seven, pushing eight years. Um, I then launched into what you would think is a vocation, a vocation of Christian ministry, this full time, kind of a full-time life vocation of centering my life on this thing called the gospel. Right. And so I've just spent the last 34, 35 years now Yep. I hate to, I'm not some guru, but like studying and thinking and reading and trying and, oh my goodness, I've done evangelism in truck stops and jails every single week for 20 years and bars and grills and apologetics on campuses. And I'm kind of a jack of all trades, I guess. I mean, you know, I'm not a big celebrity guy, but I've just, that's my life. I talk to people. uh, Yep. Yep. Every week, I find ways to share the gospel. I train people of churches. And so probably about any kind of method or something that's been tried, I've participated at some capacity with it. So right. I just say all that. So I love talking about this topic. And so take it from there, man. I don't... I just, well, yeah. I mean, absolutely. So here you bring up an interesting question. So you're you're talking about this, this conversion experience that you have when you're young. Now you're yeah. a guy that... Yeah, whose heartbeat is to share the gospel, yeah, and to see people come to Christ. So let's let's start to create a definition then, so people yeah, really good. understand what we're talking about. What yeah, is perfect? What is evangelism? Yeah, and and people, you know, people define it in all sorts of ways. Sometimes people define it very very narrow narrow. I even say the word narrowly. Narrow, <laughs> narrowly, yeah, some, that is yeah, an interesting yeah, word. In there, yeah. There's some words I can't speak. Yeah, that's good. Or some people define it very broadly. Uh, 
and but really what is it you know we talk about yeah. well, we should be doing evangelism we got to be evangelistic people you hear it all the time let's go do evangelism what what is yeah. that or you you know you say your whole life is about evangelism we're we're called evangelists what, what yeah what is yeah. that stuff like, yeah well one thing you know about me sam um there's two or three things that kind of come together but i always want to start you know with god and that he spoke to us in the scriptures Right, to right. kind of start framing our thinking, and then prob- yeah. probably I move to history a lot of times. I kind of wonder, okay, so how did the Christians in history play this out? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the progression I go when I think of this sort of stuff. So quickly, just when you say define evangelism, um, I'm thinking of Romans one. I think of Paul. He says, "I'm a bond servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel mm. of God." And then, so he's set apart to do something, and what is it? It's this thing called the gospel of God, this this preaching of this gospel, which we know the word gospel means good news. There's this news that Paul has been set apart to be about delivering. So first of all, evangelism is 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 this act of proclaiming this good news. But Mm -hmm. then, secondly, he goes on. He says. Uh, he goes on and talks about the content of this gospel. So it's he promised beforehand through the prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son who was born of the descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God and with power by the resurrection from the dead according uh, uh, to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. So, mm-hmm. so I would say evangelism is both the act of proclaiming this news and there's a content within this news that needs to be proclaimed. Right. That's, you know, and, and there's a lot more to the right. content, right? I mean, evangelism, this word that Paul uses, euagelion, it's, you know, it's this root word. He uses it 60, I, was, I looked that up in the last couple of days, I was just wondering, I knew he, it was a lot, but it was like 60 times in Paul's writings. Sure, sure. So he's the, he uses it all the time. And so it means both an act of a proclamation, a message that's delivered, heralded, like the herald mm-hmm. standing on this, you know, not talking about method right now. I'm talking about imagery, like, you know, this message that you're delivering. Right. Because people need right. it, need it. People are dying of disease, and you come running in with the the news of the cure. Sure. And you're bringing right. it to the people. And so it's it, it, it. So when Paul uses it, without getting into a big Bible study here, um, it's both... A, a, a proclamation, but it's a, it's a it's the content of the proclamation. It's kind of combined. Yeah, yeah. You can't separate the two. It's like yeah, you can't. You, right. Yeah, you could say. I mean, and you have people that are evangel. Like when we're talking about Christian evangelism, like you have an evangelist for anything. You could have an evangelist who's evangelizing for some product or something. Yeah, you could. Uh, yeah. In a sense, yeah. So when we talk about it in the Christian sense, it has to be. It's inextricably tied to the message or the content oh, yeah. of the gospel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, and that's where you, you start to get into some, where people start to broaden the definition of evangelism, where it starts to become something that's no longer uh, saturated with the gospel. It's like, oh, oh I, I, and I, I hear this a lot, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a bit, but like, oh, I, I evangelize by, you know, inviting people to something or just playing yeah. Christian music on the radio. And you go, hey, that's good. Like, that's good. Yeah. It's good that yeah. you're playing Christian music. Right. It's good that you're inviting people to church or inviting people to this event. But when it, it come, when it comes to the actual act of evangelism, it has to be t- 
tied to the proclamation. Yeah, yeah, and that's of the gospel, right? And that's what, you know. Again, if I went to another uh, writing of Paul, which you know is very familiar, but you know we're doing a podcast, I'd want people to think about these. First Corinthians yeah. fifteen. <clears throat> one through eight is a great one. Same thing. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you. Again, he preached this content, which also yep. you received in which you stand. So you received this proclamation that I brought to you, and it has a content yep. to it, right? And and, yep. and he says you hold fast to this unless unless uh, you believed in vain. So you know if this whole thing is a joke, well. Uh, but it's it's true, and here it is. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So he received right. this as a message with particular yep. content. And, yep. uh, and that content was that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And, of course, Scriptures at that point are Old Testament. Um, and then he was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Fascinating, mm -hmm. right? This is all prophecy. Old Testament prophecy, and he appeared, uh, excuse me, did I read all that? Yeah, I can't see. Um, he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to Peter, or Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one, timely, one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So there's this content of this living Jesus and what he was, the prophetic prophecy said he would, would come about to do as the Messiah, and he did it, he fulfilled it. And that is what they stand on and what they have believed and put their faith in. Mm -hmm. You know, right. and, um, and he says, that's what I come to, that, that's the gospel, that's what we come to preach. Right, exactly. So now, when you get ahead so, on when you get ahead on the, a few of the other things, and you are, you know, in my mind, when I think through it, I want to start with scripture, then I want to think historically, what did this look like, and then eventually, and saying you've been with me even in other countries where we've taught, you know, men from many different walks of many different countries, really. Uh, right. Methodology to me is the last thing to have a discussion about. Right, right. And so what you were alluding to, at least in my, the way I think about it, okay, is that. Yep. And, and, and we can get there. I think it'd be great. But Yeah, we'll eventually, we eventually right. will get there. Yeah, right? and so what you're talking about, I agree with. Your, your burden, just knowing you and spending time, I think, or yep. could say passion in the right sense. I don't like the way that word's used a lot these days. But sure. the, burden, <laughs> right. the, the burden the calling God's put on your heart is that this gospel would be made known. And you right. don't want to see it be diluted or substituted for something that's not quite the, the reality of the gospel. Right, right. And, and sometimes within methodology, and for a variety of reasons that I'm sure we'll get to, we can kind of move away from the center point. <laughs> right, right, right. And so, so I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. The, I would say evangelism then is the proclamation, the actual yep. proclamation of this particular message of content centered in jesus yeah right and early right. on it was very much an oratory proclamation anytime you see this in the scriptures it's the sense of verbally speaking this news yep and then it took on a little bit more when they began to write so you could say sure you could say it was communicated in writing but on the front end it really was this this heralding this proclaiming this speaking it was a, it was a speaking preaching teaching sort right. of activity of this content right right 
<clears throat> exactly. And I know like for you, for the people who are listening to this, the first episode of the Preach and Persuade podcast was all about the gospel, this message that is being proclaimed. So if you wanted to go back and listen to that, that, that is uh, what we're talking about. It's the gospel. Basically, in simple form, it's the gospel message is that, you know, the, the God of the universe who is who's infinite, he's a triune God, he's, he's personal, uh, he's eternal, he created the universe, and he created man good, and man sinned and rebelled, um, and then they incurred the curse of their sin, which is, which is death. And then uh, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is, who is truly God in the flesh, he's both God and man, um, to live the life that we could not live, die the death that we deserve, and then was resurrected three days later. And then through the preaching of this message and believing in this message by faith, we can have eternal life. So that's the nuts and bolts of the gospel message. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, again, you can extrapolate that a lot more and get into some more details about that. But basically, it is centered on the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, do you have anything to add about that, Dan? Just... I mean, I, well, well, you said it, and you said believe in faith. The only thing I'd say is, is in the proclamation, it is a call to respond. Right, exactly. There is a call to respond, we, and we'll talk more about that. What does that mean to respond? But it certainly means turn from your sin and trust Christ. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. you go through every sermon preached in the book of Acts, and you, and you work your way through all these messages. You start with Jesus and the Gospels, then you go to the book of Acts, and you watch all these messages. And there's always the people either crying out what should we do or or in the middle of it like well this is what you do you turn from your sin and trust christ right and so that and that brings up the next question you could say is you know why why are we proclaiming this message why do we feel Hmm. like you know why were you why did you have this burden when you were young in your 20s to you know maybe the most important thing that i can do or the you know most significant thing that i can do is go tell people this message yeah claim this like why why are we proclaiming it, and why do we why do we want people to respond? What's what's happening here? Yeah. Um. Wow, are you asking me that right now? <laughs> well, we can wait. We can table that. Well, one. No, no, no. I think it's really valuable because I would, you know, the, I would have to reflect on it um, on my um, uh, personal experience of that. And yeah. The, because I would say that that my early personal experience of it was probably not. Um. How do I want to say this? It wasn't wrong. It was right. But I sure. think I think there's even a, a, a more, a stronger theological answer right. that I would like to get tie with that that has carried me for the longer haul. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. on the front end of it, it certainly was just this burden that people are perishing and this is the yep. on, only hope. Yep, yep. And I felt so rescued by Christ. Salvation for me, right. and I, I don't want to speak to everybody's experience, but to this day, my wife felt that way. You know, later when she came to Christ a year later when I met her, and she would t- say the same thing. I felt like I'd been plucked out of out of hell, yep. and and yep. and I, I know people around me might not think that, but you know, I was you know kind of this popular guy in certain circles and a decent athlete, and you know, I had all, lots of little things, but deep in my soul, I was a, I was a tormented guy to a degree, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, lonely and trying to find life and answers and i remember an old keith green song i mean he's old now and people would laugh at it but you know like waking up from the longest dream how real it seemed you know Hmm. when his love broke through that's what it felt like to me like all of a sudden i had woke up 
Right. And I was like, wow, like I was locked up in a dream and I'm out of it. Mm-hmm. And it was like real for me. That was my, I'm so, so truly on the front end, I would say that the motivation was very experiential. I mean, I don't know what sure. else to tell you. And then, of course, it was time as I'm reading this going, this is true. You know, right. and it says in, in, you know, in First John, you know, that those that deny this do not accept Christ or of the Antichrist. I'm like, oh, that's true. You know, it was just yeah. so yeah. real to me. So real. So that was a huge, I would say, if you want to say early on, this motivation, like people need to know this. Yeah. You know, the enemy has, is here <laughs> and you right. need to be rescued from this. Right. Now, I, mean, I would go on, though, and tell you a verse that's really... Um, guided my life and in our whole podcast discussion we may come back to this my guess would be we would but it's uh, second corinthians chapter two this would be a key verse for me yep yep key passage there's two or three verses with the idea of evangelism and it's but thanks be to god who always leads us in triumph in christ now always i'm emphasizing that for a purpose uh and manifests makes known manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So there's this sweet right. knowledge of Christ that's made known. It's actual knowledge. That's another discussion in our postmodern world, but it's real knowledge. It's content right. that God has brought to us from the very mind of God. He reveals it to us. He gives it to us. Right. And this is a sweet aroma. It's right. a, it's this it's this you know the Old Testament idea too of you know lighting the things in the tabernacle and this sweet aroma of the sacrifice and all this stuff it's 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 all through Scripture, mm-hmm. right down to the end of the Revelation right these mm-hmm. it's always this sense of smoke burning and going up into the nostrils of God you know it's just mm-hmm. it's everywhere um, so there's a sweet knowledge of Him and it says for we are a fragrance of Christ to God mm-hmm. among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death, to the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? It's like, this is beyond me. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I don't know what else. There's probably you know, a better way to say it, but I'm always like, this is beyond me. But here's the point. This gospel is the sweet aroma of Christ unto God, yeah. whether people accept it or not. Right. And so, so it's glorifying to God that we proclaim it. Exactly. but And it brings great joy to your soul to know that this is the greatest message on the face of the planet that I can deliver to people. Right. That, that God is God, and he has sent a rescue plan to rescue me from the, the you know, from the hands of Satan. Right. And, you know, maybe and, maybe I'm getting ahead of our, ourselves a little bit, or maybe I'm pushing us, our, ourselves too far ahead, and we should camp a little bit. Well, because it's like, that's okay. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, maybe I want to ask some more why questions. Like, like why wh- why do we need to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere? What why? Basically, I guess what I'm saying is the fact that we're trying to spread this knowledge of God. Yeah, yeah, right. And the gospel is this is this 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 fragrance, this knowledge of God that we're spreading. Yeah, it it it, it implies that we don't have it. Or we're missing it, or people are lacking it, and I kind of want to back up a little bit, a little yeah. bit, and go, why do we need this this knowledge of God? What's going on here? Why don't we have it? Oh, okay. did we have it before? Uh, you know, almost get get into like the purpose of life or the meaning of life, or why do we even exist, or what is our purpose right. for for existence? Okay, and, yeah, and things like that. Yeah. 
Well, you definitely are going down a um, oh man <laughs> a big theological road. So let me just step back and make sure, at least in this discussion, I hope you're catching. You said, you know, why? And I would say early on, I saw the reality of this gospel of God, and people needed it. And yeah. people were lost and dying and trapped and needed rescue. You know, uh, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. It's, uh, that's not a defensive posture. That's an offensive posture to break down the gates. Mm-hmm. And I believed it. And I said, people mm-hmm. need this. And I didn't know this. So that was my, I'm just saying, that was my early motivation that moved yeah. me gradually as I began to study and understand that there was this great glory in a proclamation of this true message of God, whether people accept it or not. Mm-hmm. Now, it was glory. It was awesome when you saw people accept it. It didn't right. f- it feel so good when they didn't. Right. But it's both a sweet aroma to God. That's God's yeah. business to sort that out. So right. I just want to set that there. Now, you want to go yep. further then. And we yeah, could, I want to go back. Yeah, we, we, we could go to a number of things, right? We could go to, um, we could start if you wanted to. What's the same thing again? If you want to start at the beginning, go back to Adam, right? Oh, exactly. And that's kind of what I'm Is that what you're at. thinking? Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you, I'm, I'm fishing a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you know where you want to go. But well, obviously, <laughs> bit my hook. obviously, well, Adam was created to glorify God. What's that mean? It was to, uh, you know, to uh, present, reveal. Uh, uh, we, the word sometimes in writings is reinterpret the interpretation of God idea. It's the idea yeah. is that he was, to, he was, God created Adam as a reflection of, of, these realities of God. And, and, and then he revealed these truths to Adam, both in his soul. I mean, there were things Adam right. could not not know. Uh, right. he, he saw the fingerprints of God all around him and everything that God created. And certainly God right. actually spoke to Adam. It goes all the right. way back. God actually spoke. This I remember different discussions. Well, yeah. that, go ahead. And I even want to like pull on just the, the what does it mean to know God here we're spreading this in this knowledge of God, and, yeah. And you know, in, in Hebrew, the word "know" uh, it, it, it's it's both uh, intimate relational knowledge and an intellectual knowledge. And so you would see like the word "know" in Hebrew uh, would be used to say like Adam knew Eve or Abraham knew Sarah. Well, it's a sexual term. Yeah. It's this deep, intimate knowledge. It's yeah. both intellectual. It's both emotional. Yeah. And and we would say that Adam and Eve in the garden before sin entered the world, they they knew God. They had a, a knowledge of him, yeah. a, a deep intimacy with him, a relationship with him. They dwelt with him in his presence. Uh, and they and they intellectually knew things about yeah. well, him as well. See, yeah. Boy, you, you really do want to draw these podcasts out about 10 or 20 of them, don't you? <laughs> oh, man. We got okay. all the time. What well, else are we going to do with it? We're locked in our houses with the coronavirus. What, what else are we going to do with it? People don't want to listen to us forever. Discussions. I, I don't suspect people want to listen to us forever. But <laughs> but because you and I can carry on like this, this is the fun when we spend time traveling. T- Sam and I have traveled internationally and stuff. And you imagine us on a plane for 14 hours. We get to talk about this stuff. Oh, man. So oh, yeah. with that said, though, really, um, let me try to get my frame of thinking here. Um yeah. The reason I said it could go long, and I'm going to try, hopefully we don't go long, is what does Well, we it, can go long. Well, what does it mean in Romans 1 that they know God, but they seek not to suppress the yeah, knowledge of God? Yeah, that's a whole so other aspect There is a big discussion. The bottom line is this, though, I would say, 
fundamentally, because I'm a human being, I'm a creation, yep. I'm a creature, right. created in the image of God, I am not, this is because of the fall, we sort of feel this way and think this way without even recognizing it. We think we're individual, we're autonomous is the fancy word. Like I'm this ind independent thing sitting out here in space and I generate my own life, I generate my own breath, I generate my yeah. own thoughts, I have an assessment. I determine my destiny. destiny. I, I have a perfect mind that can be rational, somehow rational, thinking is neutral, and I can assess everything in the world. And the Bible doesn't give us that picture. No. I and, and, and when I say the Bible doesn't give us the picture, the Bible just reflects reality. The reality right. is... I don't have one more breath in my lungs unless God gives it to me. Exactly. Even the person that doesn't acknowledge God. Right. The most vile, evil person today is completely dependent on God. And in a sense, this would be the discussion that I don't think we want to totally explore here, but they everybody knows God. Yeah. Everybody knows God exists, you could say it that way. Not as just a concept out there, though that may be what's floating around their mind. You can't even have a thought. You, your blood doesn't even flow through your veins we are completely absolutely dependent on god we're not autonomous right though we sort of think yeah we, though we think we are and, <laughs> and i like the word derivative we're derivative yeah yeah of god. You've, you've used that word i think van till and others have used that word right yeah Deri i mean and, and when yep. and when you really think about it if if we and all things that were created were created from nothing by yeah. God, yeah. who is eternally existing, he uh, he's he's never been created. He's yep. he's he's always existed and will always exist. Right. And he creates everything from nothing. Yeah. It's like everything is derivative. Say, yeah. Derivative. Yeah. Yeah. No, Logically, I'm with you. Yep. Right. And and so if if God created us from nothing, therefore then we also yeah. Have, he has so to somehow us. actually actually if there was some way that God could like remove Himself from me, I would just cease to exist. Right. I just like like some movie. I just go poof and I'd be gone. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't even I'm be nothing. any dust. I don't think. <laughs> you know? I'm nothing without Him. Yeah. And so that's actually the reality, right? So I, if should we go back to Adam? He was created by God. And yep. so that's what I mean by glorify God. He reflected God in the world by speaking the truth of God, living the truth of God, and he participated with God. That's a big one for, always for me. Like God could have created yeah. a garden and a world to take care of itself, but he didn't. He created right. a world that man actually participates in. And, right. and so the imagery we get in Genesis is that there's this chaos, not debating creation and how it all happened and all that right now. That's another discussion. But there was this... Right. There was this chaos, and God brought order to the chaos. That's what God's always about doing. And then he created Adam out of his in his image, and Adam is about that, to bring order out of chaos. There's something right and orderly about the way his creation, creative being even finds great fulfillment in bringing order out of chaos. So he plants a garden, and he names the animals, and he organizes right. things, and he cares for things and takes right. care of things. That's all order out of chaos. Right? That's, right, that's bringing order out of disorder, and so uh, the example I use a lot in that that maybe gets us back to the gospel is that I think of him planting a seed. Okay, sure. It's, it's really if you stop for a moment and just think about how fascinating it is is that in this little thing called a seed, right? My wife's out doing gardening right now. She's really into flowers. She's got all these seeds around the house, and my house is like a greenhouse. <laughs> yeah. She's got ultraviolet lights, and she's been planting stuff, but. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, some of these seeds, you know, you can't really see them, you know. But the point right. is, is within that thing, you could slice and dice that and put it on a table and see, like, you know, the physical characteristics of that seed. But, right. it, but it really is fascinating that within that seed is an actual thing called life. Yeah. It's life. Like, there's a crazy. There's something living in that that's immaterial. And so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. And it's like, it's oh. like, I always talk, it's like magic, man. Like, like, you take this little thing, and I have no idea how to create life, what to do with life. But it is such an extension of the very God who exists. And, and it's not like God is in that. I'm not a pantheist or panentheist. Right. Another discussion. But the point is, God's outside of that. <laughs> I'll he start, created start writing it. down these other discussions. Yeah, we have he add. created it, but it's it's got life in it. Just think of that. And so Adam can't create life. But no. Adam takes that seed, and if he cares for it properly and puts it in the right place and you know covers it with soil and nurtures it, and takes care of it, right? What happens? Yep. That that thing that's magic. Like, you know, I I mean all of a sudden, boom, this huge tree can come out of that thing. It's amazing, really. It's really amazing, really, when you think about it. Oh, okay? it's crazy. It's crazy. And so we we take it for granted every day. Okay, so but that is a great imagery that eventually will lead us to all of life. I mean, the great explanation the great demonstration in the garden of that eventually becomes procreation. That Adam right. and Eve actually participate in well, something that... And God commands it. Yeah, he wants them to... And, and, and maybe that's where you were going earlier. He commands us in all these things because we were created for this. Meaning, this is what fills your soul. This is this what is gives what you... Our purpose for existence is. Yes, he created me. It's his design. He created me for his purpose. And when I step into his purpose, right. I find something very soulish within me that is complete fulfillment. Right. And historically, for thousands of years, philosophers and everybody talked about this. This is fascinating. I, again, another topic. I won't go down the road entirely. <laughs> Man. But it, it's the it, that's why you hear me use the word fulfillment, because in the last 70, 80 years, it's been changed in our country to say, oh, it's about happiness. You're supposed to feel this euphoric happiness. Well, no, that's yeah. not it. It's deeper than that. It's deeper yeah. than that. Happiness historically for centuries, thousands of years was this sense of fulfillment. Like you, you've accomplished and arrived at this place where you're living out what you were created to be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, what's his name? Was it Eric Little, the, the runner, uh, chariots of fire movie. And he said, sure, I, I don't really know much about it. Oh you, yeah. That's before your time, man. That was a big thing for us. <laughs> No, you, you got to see that. You haven't seen. You need to see that. Everybody, I, maybe I've seen it. I don't know. Well, it, it puts two <laughs> lives side by side. One guy who runs for himself, and the other one who runs for the glory of God. It's a true story, and he ended up yeah. becoming a, a, a martyr in China and dying on the mission field. Sure, it's a fascinating story. But when he, he just said, "When I run, I, I think I, I can't remember the exact words, but he felt the pleasure of God." Yeah. God made me run fast. I mean, like, God made me to do this. And when I do it, I just feel his pleasure. And mm. so God, who is 100% good, I mean, you yeah. got to get that in your mind, like, all good. He created me out of his goodness for right. this great purpose that when I step into it and understand it and, and embrace it and even submit right. to, to what he wants right. for me versus what I autonomously want for myself— 
Right. I actually find myself becoming the very being person that I was created to be. Right. And so tying all this together, this eventually leads us to the gospel, I guess you could say. Because Whoa, you could say, wait, 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 great, great we have a problem yet. Right. Well, okay. But what I'm, I'm, I'm going back, we're saying, so this great purpose oh. is to proclaim the truth of God. And when Adam did that, lived it out, stepped into it, he found great satisfaction, fulfillment, yeah. contentment, you know, walking in the cool of the day with the Lord, enjoying right. Eve, enjoying the garden. It was paradise. Right. It was paradise, right. on, paradise. Every, on every level, relationally, with the creation, with God. There was no alienation is the word. It was paradise. Yeah, yeah. And if and you're, so, and then something entered in, right? And that's where I'm. That's where I'm going with it. Go, Here we go have ahead. this. Yep. Yeah, and that's the, that's the design. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to know God, to glorify God, to experience God, to enjoy Him. Yeah. Uh, and to be in His presence. That was that's what's so amazing about the Garden of Eden is it's a place where humanity, human beings, create creatures live in the presence of their creator. Yep. And you can say heaven meets earth in yep. the Garden of Eden. Yeah, no shame, so when, no shame, no fear. I mean, no, like... I mean, this is it. But then we, I mean, we know the story. You can go read Genesis. You can yep. go read the falls. Satan comes in. He tempts Eve. Yep. They eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God commanded them not to eat of. They they get cursed and enters the world. And w- this is significant. What happens? God... Part of the consequences is God takes them out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah, oh yeah. And so now they're, you can say they're separated from the presence of God. In a sense, this knowledge of God that they were experiencing is, 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 is hindered in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. We, and, and that's it. The, the wages of sin is death. We are separated from, really, in a sense, our, our purpose, our meaning. We're separated from the goodness of God. We're, we're sinful. Yep. And so... That's where the gospel comes in. It's yeah. this bringing back this knowledge of God that we were made for, that we were designed for, mm-hmm. um, Good. this relationship that we were designed for. Yeah. And when we're when we live outside of that design, and we live outside of that purpose, and we live contrary to this this good knowledge that we are supposed to have, it's evil, it's sin, it's wrong, it's horrible. Yeah. And so. That's what's so significant about the gospel, is it's it's bringing back something that we have willingly rejected. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and 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 I mean, and willingly rejected, and then because of that, there's there's real consequences, real exactly. ramifications, uh, and that's what we see all around us. You know, uh, right? And again. The, yeah, and like, the consequences again of sin is. I mean, the ultimate consequence of sin is an eternal torment, an eternal separation from God in yep. hell. Yep. And that's why, going back to your testimony, you were able to say, "Man, I'm li- I'm in this bar. I'm listening to this this song, Highway to Hell' by ACDC. It's like it's true. Yeah. Everybody's on a highway to hell, and that's 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 it. That's what gripped me. We yeah. Have, yep. We've rejected God. We've rejected this purpose. We've rejected rejected this design yeah we were not stepping into our design to right. know god to, right. to reflect his glory right and the consequences of that is hell yep and and in the hell again it's not just about what happens after you die i mean you're in it now you're separated from god now yeah 
And so you, pers- right. you know, what I used to say, it's probably getting old now, but I would say we, you know, we pursue drug six rock and roll. You know, we, you want some right. experience right. that, that if it's the only experience you ever had, maybe you think it's like really a zing and really wow, but it always leaves you empty at the end of the day. And it's not going to be fulfilling. Now, if it's all you ever know, you might think, well, this is all the best it gets. Well, no, that's the point. When you step into God, it, get, it goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. when I say go beyond that, don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about just an emotional zing, though there's a tremendous emotions that come with worship and enjoying God. We've been made that way. But I'm talking about a deep soulish fulfillment that can't be found any other way. Um, right. You know, right. So, some, you know, again, historically, people would have described it as like, you know, like this empty, uh, empty shape vacuum within me, like a keyhole, and all of a sudden the key comes in and fits it. You know, it's that idea. Sure. There's, there's a number of ways of thinking about it or on a journey you're trying to find find what i was made for what i was looking for and all of a sudden there's the answer it's in the gospel and you found everything you were always looking for i mean there's all these these pictures that that but yeah there but you know sadly many people go to the end of their life here on this earth with that empty hole and never really fulfilling it never really uh you know that's a different discussion but they just don't Mm-hmm. And maybe they think this is as good as it gets. Again, drug, sex, rock and roll, you know, mm-hmm. which is just mm-hmm. addic- addictive and destruction. Mm-hmm. So right. So yeah, yeah. I guess that moves us on. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I guess I guess what this episode is probably going to end up being, or how I'll title it, is more of like a more of a theological bedrock for the gospel or sure. for evangelism. Sure. Uh-huh. Why are we doing it? What is the gospel? Yeah. Why is it essential? Why do we preach it? Yeah, I mean, we, we preach it and we proclaim it because we deserve hell, and the gospel is what saves us from that. Yeah, yeah, it's so, a re- it's a rescue. Yeah, yeah, and so maybe, maybe yeah, maybe I'm fleshing this out too much, but I think it's good. I think people really need to realize this, and this is what you know. You talk about motivations with evangelism and how you went to Second Corinthians two for for more of a lasting motivation. Um, mm-hmm. And when I truly understand the theological, you know, truths underneath or as that are the bedrock for evangelism, for why I go and tell people the gospel, um, that's what, I guess that's what makes, gets me the most motivated. That's what gives me the perseverance to continue to go and spread the gospel. Uh, and so I guess I want to kind of move into the how of how does the gospel save somebody? In a sense, we talked about the why uh, we're created for God, and the gospel is what brings us back to mm-hmm. this, this purpose that we were created for. Yeah, because um, because of sin. It sins a lot more evil than we think. <laughs> exactly. So then now the now the how, and maybe I'm kind of getting into um, what actually happened behind the scenes when you were reading in First John. Yeah. And Allison saw it. Like, what, what, what's actually happening behind the scenes there? Yeah. What's happening behind the scenes? I think this is really important. I think people get, they just get, they just, yeah, I just, I got to go preach the gospel and tell people to turn to Christ. But they really, it's great. And it's great that they go do that. But they don't really know why or how or what's actually happening yeah. when you preach this gospel and somebody turns and repents and believes in Christ. How yeah. is that possible? What's going on there? Yeah. What's actually happening spiritually? What's happening in their heart? Yeah. Like I want to know that. And the Bible doesn't doesn't leave us without answers. It tells us what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, a pastor I don't know 
all the, all the scriptures you're thinking about right now, Sam, but if I were to go to a key one that I go to often, it's Ephesians 2. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. I was thinking of that one. 1 through 10, you know. It, uh, Paul's speaking to these Christians in Ephesus, and he's saying, uh, yep. you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's a key issue. Right. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Yeah. According yeah. to the prince of the power of the air, of the <sighs> spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So that's that's Dan that's Dan Rudman, uh, university before I walk into a dorm lobby one night. That's me. Right. right. Uh, I I it's very much, you know, uh, the course of this world. Again, I always say drug, sex, rock and roll, according to the prince of the power of the air. I didn't realize it, but I was under the control of Satan. And the spirit is that working in the sons of disobedience. I was a disobedient young man. I didn't walk with God. I'm embarrassed by my life now as I look back. But um, you know, aspects of it for sure. And um, But it was the spirit of the Antichrist, of of Satan himself working within my life. And I wouldn't have walked around and said that, but that's what was going on. So I was separated from God. But then he says, among them, we too, so Paul's identifying, just like I'm identifying now, I hope, um, all, uh, we all too lived, formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging Mm -hmm. the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as as the rest. So we were just like all of us. I was like you. You were like me. But, it's a beautiful word, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions. That's the key. See, I was dead. I was separated from God. I didn't even know what was going on. It wasn't like I could say, oh, I'm going to choose God today. I'm not going to choose God today. Oh, I'm just an autonomous man. I'll decide what I'm going to do. I was dead. Right, right. Right. And what God was doing in me, I was dead in my transgressions. God made me alive together with Christ. He began, and we could talk about, you know, the process of that, you know, the, the uh, order of that. There's theological ideas behind that, but there's this sense in which I began to hear this word of God through that speaker. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, in the supernatural realm of my soul, my eyes either were beginning to be opened or were opened, however you want to think of that, by God. Right. And so as I began to read his word, it was alive to me. Right. It made sense to me. Not because I had this perfect, rational, brilliant IQ of a mind or something, which I don't even now, but God made it real to me. I read it and I'm like, oh, this is true. Right. This is true. <laughs> and right. so that was what we call theologically. Theological is we, we look at the Bible verses, lay them on a table and say, what do we call that? We call it right. re, we call it regeneration, right? Yep. Right? So this gospel call came to me. This gospel, this message of Christ, was floating around between here and the speaker. And there were a couple other people that had said things to me the prior year. I didn't get into that yep. in my story. Yep. And so it was rolling around in my head that these pieces, this knowledge of the gospel, and. Then when I began to read that, God opened my mind and my eyes, made me alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. It's all by grace. Right. Which is unmerited favor. God gave me yep. favor. I could We could debate it till I'm blue in the face. I don't know what to tell you, but God opened my eyes to it. Right. It wasn't because I did any stand on my head smarter than anybody else, better than anybody else. In the middle of my sin, middle of being dead, 
living my life wrongly, God opened my eyes to this thing called the gospel. Right. And he raised me up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly places. In the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. It puts God on display. It's like people will look and go, not, not think anything profound about me. They'll go, wow, God must be awesome to take a guy like right. that and do something with him. Like, oh, yeah, I can't take credit. So the key then is for by grace you have been saved, rescued, through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. No one can boast. I couldn't have earned it. I couldn't have jumped through hoops. I couldn't have become religious. It was purely by an unmerited favor that God rescued me. He opened my eyes to his gospel. And there was this open-handed response that a man goes to God with, if you will, or responds to God, and it's faith. It's trust. Right. Like, I believe right. this, I'm trusting it. Right. And I think another uh, another passage that backs this up, or, you know, you said, you said call, this gospel call was yeah. in the air, you could say. Yeah. And it, it, first, hey, can I, in the air, don't get weird, mystical. I mean, I was hearing it. That's what I meant. In my right, life, you were hearing it. Yeah. Different it, places. Like we said. And I didn't get into it, but there were two or three other times that somebody had said something to me the prior year. So these ideas were starting to bounce around in my mind. Right. And it was this proclamation of this message. Yeah. You, you've uh, heard this message. I, I heard it a couple different times, and I was like, yep. Yep. Exactly. And so then if we go to First Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. Yep. And we look in verse 4, it says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power yeah. and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Yeah. So no, that's here a, you have a... Go ahead. I'm sorry, oh, Sam. Go. Oh, so here you have a distinction. You have this, this gospel call. This, we call it the general call, where the, we preach the gospel, where we, we proclaim yep. the gospel. And like, you know, we... Maybe I'll just keep using this. It's in the air. Like, literally, the sound waves, this yep. this message is in the air. People are hearing it. And we want to we want to go, oh, who? how do we know that somebody is chosen by God? Or how do we know when somebody is regenerated, as we've used that term? Well, we know when it comes not only in word, but in power. Yep. And with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, he's the third person of the Trinity, comes and enters into you and dwells you, seals you, and makes you alive, like Dan said in Ephesians 2, makes us alive in Christ, mm -hmm. and convicts us of our sin. Yeah. So there's conviction with it. So, I mean, when the gospel comes in power, it comes with conviction. It comes with, man, I'm a sinner. I've rebelled against God. I've gone my own way. I've tried to be my autonomous man, and I, I'm convicted. I, I realize that I'm guilty before a holy God and I deserve hell it's conviction and, and with it comes this, this in a sense this hatred for sin this disgust with your sin yeah this I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to live like this anymore well I think that's a, that's a key one uh, Sam is it's a desire I mean it's really an affection your affections change right exactly and, and, and you you despise yourself another another one of these songs that in my life you know uh uh, probably you were a little guy when this song was popular, but I just, um, I forget the name of the group, but it was one of these contemporary groups, but um, I despise my own behavior. I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. 
I despise my own behavior. There's this, mm-hmm. I see my sin and I hate it. Yeah. And I want to move away from it. Now, I did not crank that up. That's the point. Right. I didn't one day go, okay, I'm going to hate my sin today. No. Right. I found myself hating it. Right. Literally, literally it was a, a complete shift. You loved yep. it one day, boom, now you yep. hate it. And now, that's what I'm saying. So that w- even earlier when I was sharing my story, I say, embarrassment. Yeah, there, you could call it shame. But it's not like that. It's kind of like, I don't like to think about it. it, it Right, uh, it's it, it's embarrassing in that sense. Um, um, I know what's in me, and it's not good. Right, and and, and I I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't even to this day. Right. You know, as I'm walking my life, I know I have a personality, and I know I have weakness, and I know I some areas even go into sin. And let's say you know I say something wrong or hurt somebody's feelings. I don't like that. Right. I wish I could be perfectly like Jesus. So. But but my point right now isn't talking about me. I'm saying where does that come from? Yeah, it's, and that's that's this. So when Paul's writing that to Thessalonians, there's a sense in which he's looking at the on the on the other side of the door now, though. It, it, right. He's looking back. See, on the front side of the door, you don't see all that. Right. You don't. You don't know. Who, it's just. Who's it's just. It's just convicted. this gospel goes out, and it's you need to turn from your sin and trust Christ. Right, and that's your your second your second Corinthians two. We're spreading this knowledge, this fragrance. We're yep. spreading it everywhere. Yep, we're gonna preach this this good news to everyone. Yep, yep. We're gonna spread it everywhere. Yep. And then on the other side, looking back, you go, okay, I know after I've spread this gospel everywhere, I know who God has chosen because they're the people that are convicted. Yep, they're convicted. Spirit. They're convicted of sin, and there's a movement away from the sin. Yep. And you could even say, honestly, they're, they're, it looks like they're trying to pursue obedience. Right. Exactly. And I say tribe, as we're not talking about today, but we stumble and we fall. Right. Uh, you know, I've been a Christian 40 years, and I see sin in my life I, you know, that I need to continually repent of and see and right. not live in and not dwell in. But it's there. I mean, it boop, right. pops up. And so, uh, but on the front end, yeah, you despise your own behavior. You see it. And yep. it's it's a true change within your affections, I guess you could say it, or right, within your right. soul, right? Yeah, right. And that's why, on a different note, that's why when when you uh, see people that, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm a Christian, but there's no, there's been no repentance, there's been no life change, there's been no conviction of sin, there's been right. no change in affection. You go, yeah, you say that you're a Christian, but yeah. I don't see any evidence to actually to show me that you actually have been truly regenerated. Um, and so that's where if you have a, a gospel message that's saying that's trying to say, yeah, you don't need to repent, you don't need to turn from your sin, you can just trust in Christ and he can be your savior with, and not be your Lord. You, you know, that, that happened in the 90s, this no lordship gospel that's going around like, oh, yeah, you can just have Jesus as your savior, but you don't actually have to change. Yeah. It's like, no, that's wrong because when the gospel comes in power, it comes yeah. well, and bringing the- change. And the clarification there is is not you don't change to get Jesus, right? It's if you really are regenerated, if the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. That's what. In fact, we probably should read that Ephesians, one thirteen fourteen says they heard the gospel, believing the gospel, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit right. came there to live with that person, right? To dwell, By his choice to dwell within that person, and when the Holy Spirit does that, again. Your affections change. Now you do despise your behavior. So it's not doing something to get Jesus. No. It's when you respond to him and he changes your heart. 
Well, he's yeah. actually changing your heart before you respond to him. But the point is, well, that's it, the, that's the point. And that's there's this order discussion, and it's hard right. to. We could say it's simultaneous. Yes, yeah, sort of. Or, but we don't need to get too theologically detailed there. The point is, is that it's a work of God. Yeah. And, and I respond to that work of God in faith. Right. I trust it. So, yep. Right. And so I, I want to talk about I want to talk about faith a little bit because here's the interesting thing. We 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 hear it all the time and you know in Christian circles we hear it all the time. Oh, you got to you got to live by faith. You got to trust you got to you know respond to this gospel by faith, you know. So what does faith mean? What is faith doing? Is faith a work? Like can I get into this ditch where I'm making faith a work and now I've I'm trying to work my way to God by faith, and it's like, what is faith? Like, what that? What is this? And I think it's important that we really kind of define um, what faith is, <laughs> if you know what I mean. No, I'm just laughing because you're getting in all these important discussions that really are they really are valuable. I mean, yeah, this is important. See, so what's what's fun to me about this doing this right now, if I could just say it, is that you know I had five kids; they're all young adults, or I mean, more than that, adults all in their thirties, a couple of them, and grandkids yep. now, and and um, you know, they would ask me questions in my life, and they know me, and I, just like Sam, you and I, you know, we talk a lot, and but it's because our minds work this way, and we think, well, I believe this because there's five things I believed before I believed this. And if you want to understand my answer to this, you need to know the five things before it. <laughs> sometimes not everybody needs to know all that. I know that. Okay. So just, but my point I'm going to get at is my kids would want to answer. And I'd say, and, and they would just tell me the quick answer, dad. And I'd be going, see, yeah. you guys all want a Google answer. You live in this new culture where you Google this thing and you want this fast Wikipedia two sentence answer. But like what you're talking about now, Sam. I mean, there's a lot to this. You got to take all oh, the counsel of God. It. You got to take all the scriptures. You got to bring all the pieces together, set them on the table, yep. and then come up with a coherent, complete understanding that fits all of this together. <laughs> right? And it doesn't yep. have to be overly complicated. But each of these things, and I think that's why you're doing the podcast with me in part, and and talking about them, is that. A lot of these pieces get confusing, even in our, our, if you want to say, our evangelical Christian world. People mm-hmm. have different definitions of this, and then you find out, like, well, no, that's not how I think about that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where you're going with faith, right? Exactly. The nature yeah. of faith has got a, its own idea out there. You're like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do we mean by faith? We mean, and that's why you right. hear me. we got to define our terms. And you know, and it's why I don't use faith a lot. I don't use the word faith very much. Actually, I sure. use the word trust. Maybe, sure. maybe I've done that here with you because I do it so. Naturally. Yeah, but that, I mean, uh, uh, because it's trust. Literally, you just kick the. I mean, you still have to say, okay, what is what does it mean to trust, and why does trust in Christ save you? Okay, so you, you know better take you better take that because I'm not sure where you, all the places you want to go. This okay, yeah, a lot, I mean, a lot yeah, of places I'll, to go. So go I'll take ahead. the reins a bit, and then you can chime in when you want. Yeah, go. Because um, because here's the deal. Here's Again, I'm. I keep saying, "Oh, I got. I got to back up. I got to back up." Like yeah, said, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, I got, yeah. You got to know the. You got to know the five things before you can answer this thing. Right. And in a sense, that's actually true. So, a little bit of some deeper context and backing up a bit, but we have to ask the question: Why or how? Like, how is somebody actually saved? Because the God that we believe in is a God of justice, and every single one of us is guilty of sin. And if God is just. 
he must punish us for our sin. We have wronged him. We are enemies of him. We've willingly gone our own way, and it's wicked. And he needs to punish us. That's justice. God, God's, uh, his character demands that we be punished, that our sin be punished. So in a, if you want to take that to its conclusion, therefore then, every single person who's ever lived deserves to go to hell. And back to the highway to hell thing. We're all on a highway hell. That's yeah. where we start. That's where we're going. We deserve it. We deserve to go that way. Yeah. And so we have to, we have to, that's, that's the first hump you could say to being saved, to being saved. One, our sin must be punished because mm-hmm. God's just. Yep. So then you have two options. Well, can I just throw one thing in there? Yeah. Throw it in there. In, well, in the course of conversation with people, I want to stop and go and think about this. You would want God to be just. Yeah, you would. If there's a, a truly an all powerful beyond my mind, but all-powerful being yep. who's perfect and all-powerful, you would yep. not you would not want him to arbitrarily judge on a curve. Well, I like Sam a little bit more because he's in North Dakota and likes to fish and hunt. Right. And I don't yeah, like there's that. There's no favoritism there. There's no favoritism. It's, this is perfect justice. And so you, I can talk to any conversation I have with people on this note, on this point. Yep. And yep. say, haven't you, you've had people gossip about you, or you've seen a court case on TV that you knew somebody got away with. Why does that eat your lunch? Why does that bother <laughs> you so much? Well, because, yep. again, I would say it's because we've actually been created in the image of God, and we want justice. There's something in yeah. all of our souls that we want stuff done right. It's justice. Right. We really do. We yeah. don't want people to get off. If somebody actually did something awful, we hope they get their just dessert, desserts, right? Yep. I mean, we want them yep. to. And you go, well, yep. Why? And they tell me, I don't know, I'm not a, 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 a child psychologist, but the little bit of reading I've done, it's one of the early, if not the first values a little child gets. Well, that's not fair, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the commercial where you take four French fries and give them two, the kid knows. They may not yeah. even know anything about math. They're going, oh, that's not fair, you know? <laughs> well, where did they think about that concept, fairness? Where does that, it's an abstract concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? How did they get that notion of fairness? They just know. Right. Well, because right. we do. We're wired by God. So I don't want to labor it more than I needed to, but my point being is that no, we, but that's wa- good. we actually want justice. The yeah, prob- we do. The problem is, is when it's leveled at us, we kind of like, eh, would you give me mercy and let me off? <laughs> well, ex- that's the problem. So, like, right. you know, we get all worked up about, oh, how could these bad things happen? Why isn't God bringing justice? How could there be these mass shootings? How could there yeah. be these wars? How could yeah. there be you know, yeah. rape and all this stuff? And we go, God, bring justice. Like, where's the justice? Yeah. And and then also, then you think about, well, if God brought justice now, now. let's say it's now, and yep. the, there's an exa- there's actually an example of that in the Bible. It's called the flood. Okay. People yep. are going. They're going their own way. They're they're drinking. They're being married. They're doing what they want to do. Happy. Blah 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 blah. Living life. And God says, enough's enough. Boom. The world is wicked. Yep. I'm bringing justice now. Again, I think of movies. I think of the movie. Remember the old movie Independence Day? Oh, that, the yeah. Space, Boom, the spaceship the, comes over. The spaceship's over in D.C. and all of a sudden that laser comes down and woof. Boof. <laughs> Everything's fried. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm, I'm like, imagine, because I've done that when I've spoken, preached, maybe to you know high schoolers or something. Say, Just imagine five seconds from now, the laser beam's coming down. Yep. Who, okay, so my question is, is who in this room will be standing? Yeah. Who will avoid the justice of God? Who will be able to Yeah. Not, oh, not, I like that. I do that oh, all the time. Oh, you're going to be all okay, fired five, up, Oh, you're going to be all fired up, Four, three, two, one, <laughs> boop. 
who's getting all fired up. Let's just be honest. Right. And the the thing is, is this is the point. The point is, is that every single one of us is sinful. Yep. And every single one of us would get mowed down by the laser beam. We don't deserve we, if the flood came, apart from again, we'll get to this. This is the good news. We'll get to that. But yeah. apart from Christ, every single one of us would die. We would get justice. Yep. We deserve it. So if you, I mean, everybody gets, oh, bring justice, bring justice, where's justice? Man, you got to think about that. Because if you want true justice, you're also getting punished. Yep. And that's where we start to think, man, God is patiently enduring all these these wicked things for a while to display his glory, for a purpose. Yep. He's in control. He will bring justice. So that's, that's that first hump. I'm sinful. I'm wicked. How can I be saved? Well, one, I, I have to have my sin punished. I have to have it punished. Yep. And it's either going to be punished on me or it's going to be punished on someone else who's standing in my place. Yep. And that's where we get what's so amazing about, about Christ and what he did is he didn't just come into the world just, just, to, just to be here, just to, you know. What, he, he came with a purpose. He came with a mission. There was something he was actually set to do. And part of that was... To take the sin yeah. of his chosen, his elect, his lost sheep, to take that actual, tangible sin, to put it on himself, on his shoulders, in his body. First, Peter, you know, Peter says he he bore it in his body. He became sin. Yeah. You know, Paul says in Corinthians, he became sin. Yeah. On the cross, and then that's the almost a little incomprehensible, of, isn't it? It is it is in, incomprehensible. I it mean, is. I mean, when he, you know, he's on the cross. Father, why have you forsaken me? It's that cry yeah. of 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 a, of a man. He's fully man and fully God. Of right. complete. I mean, beyond anything we can comprehend. Here he is, the second person of the Trinity for eternity, with the Father. Another whole right. discussion, but and there's somehow somehow in this mystery of all of that some kind of a separation. Yeah. So that's the thing. He's yeah. That's exactly the it's words br- it's that brutal. We have to think about it. why have you forsaken me? He's still alive at this point. Yeah, he says that. Yeah, he's getting physically punished, but he's there's something spiritually happening. Yeah, again, soulish. And you know, it's real, but it's real. It's real. It's real. So yeah. what what really happened was at that point in time, in time, two thousand years ago, in time, everybody who who's, you know, regenerated, who's convicted by the Holy Spirit, who hears this gospel and believes, their sin was actually yep. on Christ in that moment. Hard to believe. Justif- it's hard to believe, but that's th- that's what's so... When when we when we say the gospel is good news, that's why it's good news. Yeah. You deserve hell. God took your place and faced the justice... Yep. Of God the Father. Yeah, and again, Sam, what comes in my mind right now is, again, back to content. This is trust in a real Jesus, a real guy. Yeah. Who died on a real cross. You could have went up and touched it. Right. Real blood. Like, this is right. actually happening and actually did happen. Right. And, and I'm laying, I'm putting every bit of my trust in that that moment right there. Right, that that, that person, that event, punished. everything that's going on there. I'm going okay. I'm going to trust that. I'm going to lay everything on the line, my soul, my life for that right there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's the first hump. There's another hump though, and this is the interesting thing. Is like, okay, you could say hypothetically. Let's just say hypothetically, you had your sin punished. 
Um, and that was it. You could say you're at you're at you're at zero. You were in the negative. Now you're at zero. But in order to get to heaven, in order to gain eternal life, you need to have a righteousness. You need to have a perfection about you. This perfect. You need to have kept the law perfectly, obey God perfectly. And so that's where we we look at. It's not as though Christ just came down, and then boom, the moment he got to Earth, he just went to the cross. No, he lived a life. 33 years, you know, it's plus or minus a year, you know, some say 33, 34, but he, he was, he lived, let's say 33 years, and when he lived on earth as a man, he was perfect, he never sinned once, he was obedient to the law, he was perfect, without sin, he was righteous, and so, this is what's so amazing, that's why, I mean, let's say I, we'll, we'll just use you as an example, because you, you kind of shared your testimony. Uh, when you came to Christ, 20 years old, 1920, freshman, you know, he heard the gospel, mm-hmm. read it in, in read scripture, you were changed. You were dead, you were made alive. Mm-hmm. Actually, your sin was actually punished 2,000 years prior to that moment. Mm-hmm. Or you could say less than 2,000 years. That was in the, you know, what did you say, 1980? Yeah. Yeah, almost 2,000 years. <laughs> so your sin was actually punished before that moment. But now you hear this gospel, mm-hmm. you're made alive. N- now, this is what's so significant about faith, is that by trusting in Christ, Martin Lloyd-Jones explains it this way. He says that faith is a channel. It's an avenue you can think of. It's like a channel. And through this channel of faith, you are given or imputed is the technical word or accredited. Mm-hmm. You're given the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing about the gospel is that not only are your sins punished on Christ, but through trust in Christ, through faith, you are given mm-hmm. the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. So yes. now you have a righteousness. Yeah. It's not just that you're forgiven, right? You're clothed, right. You're clothed with the, ro- the robe of Christ in a sense. That's exactly the, when the God's, right word. You're, yeah, you're clothed. So when, when, you're when, clothed. When God today sees you or me. Yep. It's again. It's almost strange to say it because it sounds like you're exalting yourself, and it's not. That's the thing. It's the right. reversal. It's like, anyway, he sees the robes of Christ. He sees clothed in Christ. He he sees yes. you and goes, "Oh, there's my son. That's Jesus." Yeah, he sees the righteousness of Christ given to you as a gift. Yep, you can't earn and it. How you can't right. earn it. You can't earn it. It's already and given. It, it, it's already given to you. Yeah. Exactly. And this is the amazing thing about why the, okay, kind of circling back to motivations, theological motivations to share the gospel, to evangelize. Yep. It's because the only people that are given this righteousness of Christ through faith are those that hear the gospel proclaimed. Mm -hmm. And that's Romans 10. And I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 14. So we're in Romans 10, verse 14. How then will they call on him, on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith, and here's the kind of the key verse. This is where Paul really wraps it up. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we are imputed 
the righteousness of Christ through faith, and faith, as Paul says, comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we need to hear this gospel message. We need to hear the gospel message. Nobody is saved. Nobody's given the righteousness of Christ apart from the gospel message. Yep. You have anything to add about that, Dan? Well, we had talked about this before, but yeah, I mean, just two or three things. Obviously, it's the same thing. This gospel message, there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's a message um, that has to be proclaimed, communicated. Yep. And um, it kind of answered, we have to be careful when we say that because because of who God is, going back to the nature of God, starting with our first presupposition, he has the complete capacity to get people this message. And so sometimes oh, exactly. there's this question like, well, what about the person who hasn't heard? And I don't want to deal with all of that now, but I simply would want to say like, no, God will get that person the message. I mean, and like you and I have experienced, um, and you and I have met people like this as traveling internationally. And I, right. But you and I have met some people from other religions who were, they said they have met an angel or Jesus in a dream. Yep. And in, the, in most of the cases that we've been shared those things personally, people have literally sat there and shared these stories with us. Right. And right. Most, at least in our, our limited experience, um, in those uh, uh, dreams and visions, they first of all seem very like true, compelling stories, the ones we've right. heard. And right. they always send them to the Christian to get the content yep. of this gospel. They, right. they get like a piece of it or some vision or, hey, they, these people of the book have the answer or whatever it is that ties with their culture, but they do need this content and God makes sure they gets the content, you know? And so, right, right. so without laboring it, I just, I don't, I don't get freaked out personally about, well, there's this kid on a beach somewhere in the world that first of all wants to know God. Well, first of all, people don't seek God. God seeks people. And secondly, if yep. somebody really did want to know God, it's because God is prompting that. And secondly, then, yep. uh, you know, importantly, I, I would want to say is that God's going to get the message to them. And so, right. you know, we have lots of stories of how God's done that in all sorts of unique ways. But frankly, God could literally speak to their mind right then and there if he wants to. And like that's, Paul. Like Paul. Exactly. Perfect example. Paul had this dream vision that the other guys didn't really fully know what was going on. They saw this flash. It sounds like they may, may have heard a voice, but they didn't really know that Jesus was there having an interaction with Paul. And the and the other guys didn't really fully embrace what that was. And so right. so all I'm saying is that again, you gotta go back and think of who God is. We're not limited by some man and well, Sam missed the boat or missed the plane and he couldn't get to the island to get them the message. No, God has the complete capacity to get them the message. But what we want to emphasize is it is a message that is proclaimed and it has knowledge and it has content. And on my exactly. side of the world, sitting here in my little office, in my tiny little world, God's told me to speak this message. And I, right. can't, I can't answer all the questions about six billion people in the world, but I guarantee you that God is getting the message out to whoever needs to hear it in this very moment when they need to hear it. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And so that's the, you know, if we go back to your original uh, passage that you kind of brought up in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, yeah. verses 12 through 17, um, about God always leads us in triumphal procession. Yeah, that's so I, I, where we got to. Yeah, I love right, that. This is what we got to realize. Always. Like, always. 
Hey, hey, yeah. I, I, I'm preaching, I'm proclaiming, I'm spreading this gospel message, this content. It's propositional. Yes. It actually has a, it's a real message that talks yep. about real things that actually happened in real yeah. life. Yeah. And, and whether this person rejects it or God makes them alive yeah. and convicts them of their sin and regenerates their heart, like, yeah. hey, it's victory for me. I'm being led in triumphal possession. It's glorifying to God. Yeah, exactly. So, whether whether hey, you see anybody, so, yeah. This is this what's so cool about doing the like doing evangelism, and right. again, back to kind of our definition that we made. Evangelism is is the, the proclamation, the preaching of this of the of the gospel message. So yeah. doing that is just an amazing privilege, an amazing job, and it's just incredible that hey, I can go spread this gospel message everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter if I'm in my neighborhood, if I'm at the, yeah, like you said in the, you know, you said it right away in this episode that, hey, I've been been preaching this in the jail. I've been at convenience yeah. stores. I've been, you know, yeah. all over the world. Yeah, so yeah. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Yeah. I can, I can spread this. I can preach it. Yeah. And if it's, if it's, if there's a lost sheep there and if there's, you know, somebody that God's going to regenerate. Hey, they're going to be regenerated. They're going to be saved by this message. And, uh, yeah. wow, that's something pretty incredible well, to be part of. And there's two or three other thoughts to that, too. And I, I'm sorry for a moment ago. I, I get excited. I almost talked right over top of you. But, but like, that's well, the that's point. That, well, well, the point is, is you can't lose. And, I, and you've, you've done a beautiful job of saying it. It's like it takes the pressure off. Like, I don't convert anybody. Yeah. That's not my job. I, that's God's business. He has to bring conviction. He has to bring regeneration. It's supernatural. It's like the, planting the seed. Like, yep. I pl- I plant the seed. I nurture it. I do. All, mm-hmm. I water it. I labor. I pull weeds. There's lots of stuff I do, but I at the end of the day, I cannot make that thing grow. Right, I can't right. do that. And so, <laughs> so if you come at it that way, and like I probably said earlier, I did. You know, it probably was a. a, a uh, a growing aspect for me from when I was an early Christian to understand that the beauty, the glory in all of this is just proclaiming the gospel. And mm-hmm. I may live in a time and period where nobody responds. Mm-hmm. Nobody responded to, to other than his own family. Nobody listened to Noah. He was a preacher right. of righteousness for right. whatever it was, 120 years or some crazy thing. I'm like, nobody listened. But right. Jeremiah, they buried him in a mud pit. Nobody, they didn't right. want to listen to him. Well, and, and sometimes so, God says, "Hey, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to harden their hearts. I'm going to yep. put a veil over their eyes, and yep. you're, you're, you are going to preach, but nobody's going to listen. But you got to yep. go do it because I commanded you." Yeah, and then there were even times He did that, and He would, you know, give them the, you know, a, 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 what do you say, a jaw flint, to, you know, make them strong. And you know, I, Moses, I always laugh at Moses, like, okay, you're going to go tell the people here, and they're not going to listen. And then he Moses goes, but what happens if they don't listen? <laughs> Read yeah. the text. God just got to saying, hey, listen, they're not going to. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's a certain sense in which that's all part of the work. And so um, yep. it just takes the pressure off. Like I have this freedom to just go talk about the gospel and some are going to listen. As an old old author said, uh, a gal, Becky Pippert, we're back, you know, I don't know how old the book is now, but, you know, uh, uh, God's sheep will lift their heads. You know, you throw out the food, the God's sheep will lift their heads, the rest will go on eating grass. <laughs> it's yep. like, so you're, you're just looking for people whose head raises up, you know? and Exactly. And it takes sort of a pressure off. It, 
you know, that's the glory is proclaiming this message and leaving the results to God, as Bill Bright with Campus Crusade used to say. It's it's God's yep. business. This at the end of the day, it really is God's business. And so, right, I I just participate and enjoy it and look for creative ways to bridge gaps you know cross-culturally if you want to call it that way everything's cross-cultural there's another person with a different walk of life and i want to kind of get into their world for a moment and deliver a message right so yeah i there was something so i had another thought but it it is gone now for the moment but (laughs) okay well let's let's uh let's wrap this this episode up okay um put a bow on it um and then we'll come back obviously we have a lot more to say and Again, like what we kind of covered in this one is, a, you could say, a, a, a bit of a theological bedrock or a theological motivation behind evangelism. Why do we evangelize? You know, mm-hmm. what does evangelism actually do? Sure. Um, and so that's what we kind of covered in this one. So we can move on, in a sense, in the next episode into, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't know how when we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to some methodology. We'll get to uh, sure. the role of the church in this. Uh but what I do eventually want to talk about too is is who is the evangelist because this is this is something that can get a little bit confusing is yeah. you have this you have evangelism which we've already defined but now we have this other term in the Bible the evangelist what yeah. is who is the evangelist is everybody the evangelist um, so we're not going to answer that question yet we'll answer that question probably in the next episode but those are things to come that we'll continue to talk about under this broad topic of evangelism so uh yeah if you're if you're listening tune back into our next episode we're going to continue the discussion on evangelism thanks for listening